I love this fucking band. <laughs> and if you are ready for some truly heavy atmosphere, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. That is Jeff. And we are talking about Gojira tonight. Free your. I mind. love Godzilla, man. Yeah, Godzilla. Some good old kanji. Love, love, no, kaiju. Kaiju, I'm sorry. I don't, know what, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck kanji is. Ganja and kaiju mixed together? Well, I mean, that's that's okay. <laughs> this has been Jeffrey's trip to China. Actually, I think we're I think we're going to France, right? Is that? Yes. That's more accurate. We're going to France to talk about the seminal metal band Gojira tonight. Yep, we're going to southeast France on the Mediterranean side. Well, you know, when Gojira first started, they were uh, they were called Godzilla. Yes, they were. Back in 1996. And at some point, somebody figured out that name is copyrighted. At some point, they got big enough to where somebody was like, hey, you might want to change that. So they're like, fuck it. We'll still call it Godzilla, but it's Gojira. Same fucking idea, same concept. Going back to the original spelling. Well, and you know what, though? I think that, uh, I think that Godzilla or Gojira is a really good description of this band. A slower-paced, plotting instrument of death. I know when I started listening to it this week, I had heard it before, but as I started to get further and further into the albums, I said, this is some truly heavy atmosphere. Wow. Jeff is rubbing off. Yay! I just had to fight a joke there and just force it down as hard as I could. Anyway... Uh, yeah, man, Gojira is no joke as far as being one of the best heavy bands out today. Yep. There's going to be a lot of worship on this. We've had a lot of negativity on this show lately, which is what happens whenever I'm like, we're going to talk about fucking new metal for a whole month. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's June, so nope, we're done. Thank God. Before we start thanking God, I want to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, you can find everything Discography Discussion at DiscussMetal.com. We are on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, so if you have an Amazon Echo or Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening. And now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. We love five-star reviews here in Discography Discussion. And one of the things that we do when you leave us a five-star review is we read that five-star review. Do you guys want to hear our latest five-star review? Yes. I think so. Tell us, Uncle Dan. We got one from Simon Leonard, or Leonard. I think it's Leonard. He says, best show ever. I'm a metal fan, and as a musician, I like to see points of view of views of others. Well, Simon, we have that in spades, man. So thank you so much for leaving us that review. Keep them coming, guys. We need how many more? Nine more before we do a Limp Bizkit cover of a cover? As George Michael. Yeah, you can do it as George Michael. You can do it as Fred Durst. But our unfortunate listeners are going to hear it. Ooh, I'm sorry, guys. You sure you really want this? Oh, they want this. Speaking of things we want, we got a tweet from TJ Weber. Dear Discuss Metal, please do a Norma Jean episode. You can have me on as a guest, too. To which Dan said, Norma Jean is happening. But uh, our good buddy Brandon Kellum has had dibs on that episode for over a year. It's coming. It's coming. It, it is coming. That's all I got on that. We, we will do a Norma Jean episode. Yeah, it's gonna. It happen. is on the calendar, but we don't like to reveal that sort of thing right away. So we might dr- drop hints here and there, but like keep you on your toes. We got a, a little bit of review from a listener on Podbean. Uh, let's see, it's GT Pat Two, and it says, "Awesome interview. Primer is still on my playlist. I lost it. I, I listen to it every day at work." I turned on a lot of friends to Primer, didn't realize that half of the intro is on a drum machine. And about the 9-11, I was in a painting booth, painting listening to Primer 55 when the Twin Towers got hit. A wow. lot of Camaro, Corvette, Trans Am, and Hummer body panels got their first coat of Primer while listening to Primer 55. Hell yeah. Center Guards at episode 65, thank you very much for listening. 
and keep those comments coming our way. All right, so I'm going to take a couple of minutes here to talk to you guys about high brew coffee. And uh, it's no secret that sometimes our podcasts go really late into the night. And we need something to keep us awake because with the amount of beer that I personally consume, <laughs> I need something to kind of balance that out. So water, we go no further than the fridge, which is usually stocked with high brew coffee. High brew coffee is a cold brew coffee, and they have all kinds of awesome flavors. They've got salty caramel. They've got plain black coffee, which is my favorite. Double Same espresso. Here. Double espresso. Oh, the double espresso is really good too. They've got uh, they've got uh, caramel. No, no, no. It's um, it's cappuccino with uh, protein, which I just had one of those, and I'm feeling a little bit more energetic. So uh, definitely check them out, guys. Check out High Brew Coffee. Really huge support of the show, and we appreciate them very much. Are you pulling something up, Joe? Breaking news, discography discussion, Facebook. Take it away, Dan. Okay, so as most of you have had no problem telling me over the past couple of days, or I guess it's just been the last 24 hours. Yes, I know. Azalea Dying has posted some teaser music thing on their Facebook or YouTube or whatever. It's in a video format. It's 43 seconds long of what appears to be new As I Lay Dying material. So, let's talk about this. Whoop-de-fucking-do. <laughs> That's my thought on it. I. So, yeah, they, if, if they're, you know, money-hungry enough to let Tit Slambesis come back into the band and go do their shit... Let him go, come back go, into the band. He is the band. Yeah, I know, but <laughs> they didn't have to. You know, it, it, we looked at the stills. It looks like some of the original members are are with him, right? And I'm I'm not a fan of that, especially after all the shit that he's pulled and all the shit that they talked about him. Well, we'll get into that. Uh, we didn't think it was right to have this conversation without John Beatty, so he is oh. here with us tonight. Hey, John. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, it's John Beatty. <laughs> Hey, I promise I'm not going to get disgustingly drunk this time. <laughs> he says. Why not? Four is he, is hours he later. That was, that was like a uh, AA meeting for me. <laughs> like intervention, <laughs> like you just listen to yourself get progressively more drunk. And then you're like, like I texted Dan and I was like, like, I think a podcast is great for a lot of people because honestly, I think it teaches you how to speak more and just bad habits you may have as far as social interactions with people. And I've definitely picked up on some of my own bad social cues, but what was crazy about that, and A, I felt bad that it took as long as it did, and I was shocked that you left in basically all but 30 minutes of it, I think. But outside of that, it was like, you know, I would try to make a point, and I knew where I was going, but then i just completely avoid it, start name-dropping people that no one knows, really. And then I never got to the point, and I was like, oh, God, this is so bad. It's, I guess I guess it's very much like how Jeff is saying the new Esley Dying record's going to be. <laughs> Ooh, man. Shots fired. That's rough. Yeah, so, it's going to be a mess. I want to I want to start this off with okay. Well, first, I think you should start off with the amendment you were you were gonna make on the last episode. So we should get start with there because that will piggyback into this episode, this little chat. Okay, so in the original Azalea Dying episode, I went on a I don't know six and a half hour tirade about how uh, Tim Lambesis was not truly repentant for his actions and had never offered up any type of initial apology had no type of post apology for his actions which made me which which heavily influenced my decision as to whether or not I'm willing to forgive Tim or whatever it is well it does turn out that he did offer an apology uh, back in December of 2017 and I'm going to read it as follows words cannot begin to express how deeply sorry I am for the hurt that I have caused there is no defense for what I did, and I look back on the person I became with as much disdain as many of you likely do, Jeff. First, I apologize to my former wife and remarkable children for all my appalling actions. There is not a single day that goes by that I don't wish that I could undo the damage that I caused, and out of respect for their wishes, I will not discuss anything else about them, now or in the future. I also ask anyone reading this to promote healing for them, by respecting their privacy and defending them from any negativity or anger which should be directed towards me. I was the sole offender and the only one to blame for everything that happened. To my family, I apologize for the trauma you faced and may still feel. This is an ongoing sentence that many of you serve because of me. 
I am so sorry to my friends who were betrayed by everything I hid from them and all the hardships I caused people who used to work with me. Bandmates, road crew, managers, attorneys, agents, label people, and more all had to suffer through many unexpected changes because of my actions. While they were dealing with the aftermath of my arrest, I responded toward many of them with bitterness that I should have directed towards myself. I know that I can't undo the animosity I brought their way, but I hope to mend what I can now as time goes by. To the people who looked up to me as an artist, I let you down in so many ways. I tried to show my best side to the public while feeding an ugly growing monster behind closed doors. I wrote lyrics about the person I wanted to be rather than the person that I was. I was living a life that lacked empathy and viewed everything through a self-motivated lens. I cannot say for certain what life looks like going forward as so much is different now and I'm still learning. Music always has and always will be a part of me and has helped me get through the darkest parts of my journey. However, this apology is not a part of promoting anything. Rumors circulate and that's something I've learned to accept. But this apology is just that, an apology to everyone around me. I've remained silent to the public since expressing remorse at my sentencing because time seemed like the best way to promote healing. Today marks the first opportunity to freely apologize without any motivation to gain favor from the courts as I now completed the entirety of my legal sentence, including the completion of all parole and probation requirements. Let it be clear that no amount of time served can right my wrongs. I do not feel deserving of a second chance, and I'm not asking for anyone's trust. The way many people feel about me makes sense, and only time will tell if my future actions line up with my remorse, something I pray for every day. In the last five years, the ripple effect of all of my actions has extended further than a written statement can address. Thus, I will continue to apologize in both words and actions moving forward. Thank you for reading, Tim. I don't give two fucks what that piece of shit says. That's nope. my that's my opinion on that because I've okay, Dad. Because I've heard that I've read that before when that came out in December, and it pissed me off then, and it pisses me off now. Well, I, I, I just I just I don't believe a fucking word that dude says. That's right. just me. Fair enough. Um, I'm a little bit more willing to be like, okay, well, we'll see how it goes. It doesn't mean I'm going to buy the albums on vinyl. It doesn't mean I'm going to buy CDs. I'm probably just going to stream it and give my opinion one way or the other. I mean, I I, I will know? do that part too. But he's just looking, whether he had, the dude's looking for pity. He's looking to weasel his way back in. And the fact well, that Well, that was back in December. I mean, it's been a pretty good chunk of time since then. Well, so, and he's weaseled his way back in. Okay, so, how can you, I know this is semantics, but how can you weasel your way back into the thing that you started and that you own, if anything? Well, no, I don't, I don't necessarily mean the band. I just oh, mean okay. in, 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 in the public heart, public perception. Yep. That's, that's exactly okay. what it, he's trying to weasel. You know, that was, that was a cal, it was a calculated maneuver, went silent, you know, apparently got back with some of the guys from the band. And, and now, ta-da, here we are. Everything's everything's fixed, right? I wrote that apology back in December. Don't you guys accept me now? Well, I think we don't know Tim personally, so we don't know what kind of interactions took place between him and his ex-band members. You know, I don't know how many it took to get, you know, certain people on board, <laughs> yes or no. Um, I, I don't know what the interaction was there, but I think it's just one of those things where I had given my views on the subject based on not reading that apology or not knowing that that existed. And I would say that one thing that we didn't mention on the other episode was that the fan reception has been much more positive than I had anticipated that it would be. People are going ape shit over this, over this clip that was that was uploaded. You know, I mean, and you look at the comment section, and there's still there's a lot of guys like John that are like, well, let's just give it a chance, see what it sounds like. And then there's a lot of guys like Jeff that are like, fuck you, go kill yourself. And <laughs> I'm so, not telling. I'm, I don't want him to go kill himself. No, no. but so, it's one Jeff of those. Jeff just doesn't want to buy the album. Jeff just That's doesn't want to. He just doesn't want to. Um, <laughs> I just want him to go gracefully into the sunset and leave us the fuck alone. That's what I want. Which, I mean, I hate to say this because this is a 43-second clip with no vocals. Now, obviously, it is very much assumed that it will be Tim reprising his role as vocalist in the band. But we actually don't know that. 
<laughs> That'd be pretty messed up if it. We don't funny. know. We I, don't know. How crazy would it be if they release a full video of that and it's some other guy singing? Okay, so let's let's fall down the rabbit hole of that for just a second. So, as I had mentioned a couple of times before in the last episode, uh, that Jordan and Tim are like, from what I understand, the sole owners from a business perspective of Asley Dying, the entity, the LLC, and so forth. Could we? I'd never really thought of the. I always figured, you know, Tim would be the one that basically would strong arm it and continue on because everyone else seemed to be like, fuck that, like, we're not going to do it. Because really, the time to have taken over the band and taken it away from Tim would have kind of been once he went to jail. And Jordan could have been like, well, I own half of it and you're in jail. So you'll still get the royalties when you get out and you're good. Now, thinking about it though, for a hot second, as you were just saying that, is there a potential that, like, Jordan and all the guys got back together. They bought Tim out and or did a thing where maybe from a business perspective, it's like, we're going to go on without you, but we're still going to pay you, you know, royalties and maybe perpetuity for, you know, back catalog and so forth. And Tim just sits around and gets to do like Austrian death machine and whatever. It's entirely d- possible. This well, could also be. And we'll deciding. never know until this, it's actually released. This video factor might be an experiment for them too to see what the public perception is. This you does know. kind of smell a little bit like how Woven War did their thing before Tim just kind of shit all over it. it was like, yeah, all the guys are doing a new band. It's called Woven War. It's got so-and-so from this band singing instead of me. And it was just like, <laughs> right. Okay. Tell us how you really feel, man. But I mean, it could be an experiment, too, in the sense of like, we're going to put this up and we're going to see how the fans react to it with this. Because the assumption, you know, is still like, it's probably true that it's Tim. Like, that's... Yeah. Occam's razor, the simplest explanation is probably the right right one, you know? And right. so, in this particular case, I mean, I'm just going to assume that it's going to be Tim. I'm going to assume that it was Tim that picked up the microphone in the video, you know, all that. But w- the one thing that blows my mind the most is that, like, listeners of our show slowed down the videos to, match up, to match up the tattoos of the individual band members to try to figure out who's who. So I think we've what we've confirmed Nick Hippa and Josh and Josh Gilbert. Speaking to Josh though, the interesting thing because as I always like to figure out is how would they have been able to record in this day and age where as we talked about with the Hope's Fall when I had you on my my show with uh, Adam from Hope's Fall. In this day and age where everything is known about everything, it's it's a sh- it's shocking that potentially there's a whole new Asley Dying record record that's been recorded that no one knows about but the fact that josh is a a producer and can record stuff that would make a lot more sense that he kind of did it in-house and just no one knows because it was a secret project he was able to do on his own right so conspiracy theory there could be a it could have all been done prior and we just don't know i I say potentially my theory is this because and i i I guess i just didn't articulate this no surprise very well uh in the last episode but when all of you were kind of or at least you dan were saying like i need an apology before i'm willing to figure out where i stand on this thing and with that being said my thing was definitely that this this thing already existed this letter existed uh i just don't think i conveyed the fact that there was the video or this letter at the time so um i think that that was maybe the first step to put this this whole thing in motion like it's it's his public repentance we'll kind of see how everything goes uh for the most part just like anything with asley dying everyone fan wise seemed to either be you know yeah you know you did your time so on and so forth or fuck you and some people who are just kind of like well i don't know we'll see how this pans out but I think that was the beginning of the groundwork, and I think much more of that maybe has gone on to, like, maybe Tim's reached out to everybody and then like, hey, man, like, I was a fucking dick, and I ruined your lives. Like, I took earning potential away from all of you. Like, I I did terrible things to a lot of people, like he said in the apology. And I, to me, when I read that initially, like, I was like, I think this is the groundwork, honestly, for for him to try to make amends to the entity at the time that was as late dying or like jeff said tried to weasel his way back into it into their good graces and who knows this could all be money man this could just be like fuck it i don't like you tim but i like to make money and this is a (laughs) job people don't always like their co-workers you know wasn't that the release between west borland and fred durst 
It's like, we hate each other, but we make magic, so we're going to be in a band together and not like each other. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. And they were... They didn't make any bones about it. They, they pretty yeah. much told everybody and that's just how it, <laughs> how it is, you know, and sometimes that strife, you know, does make magic whenever you have those opposing forces. But for, for me, you know, it, when I, like I said in the last episode, and it's still my perspective on it, it's not my job to, f- to forgive Tim, and I don't have to, and I don't plan on it. And, you know, if he, if he becomes, you know, the most successful, you know, metal musician in the history of music, you know, I'll be bitter and pissy about it. <laughs> But you know that's just that's just my perspective. You know, I'm just one person. Jeff what will never forget. It's what us pad- <laughs> podcasters are here for. <laughs> yeah, just like I, I don't have to really say anything because Toomey already said it about Vinnie Vincent. I mean, I fuck <laughs> that. Oh guy. man, he went in. I I sent him a text. And I go, man, it's too early for this for this kind of a uh, hot take. Holy shit! Oh yeah. no, it was it was spot on, man. I, I we oh, didn't I have, agree. We don't have to say anything because Toomey said it for everybody. Yeah, I was gonna think. I don't think the three of us gave two shits in a bucket whether or not Vinnie Vincent was gonna be there. I was like, yeah, because we were even talking about. I'm like, do we even want to have him on? And like, I guess since he's like one of the big headliners, no. we we maybe should try. And we're like, nah, dude. If he just showed up and if he just showed up and even been cool and wanted to do an interview or something with us, I'd have been like, you guys can interview him. I'm gonna go take a huge shit. <laughs> like, I just I just could not have cared any less about that. Uh, yeah, there's so many other cool people there that I was more interested in talking to. You were so sweet in Lost Boys. Wait, you weren't in that movie? Oh, fuck. You thought you get? Oh, never mind. <laughs> you, you look like a vampire. <laughs> never mind. I gotta go. Yeah, like, yeah. fuck. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that that's pretty much where we're at on this whole Tim Lambesis thing. I mean, I'm I'm more in the camp of, well, we'll just see what the fuck happens, I guess. And Jeff is... I don't give a fuck what Very happens. Very <laughs> clear that he doesn't care at all. But we haven't heard anything from Joe. <laughs> I stand by what I said on the episode. I am not interested in supporting your professional endeavors because of what you've done. And I'll be very curious to find out if the band changed their minds on the subject. So I'll be doing the Patreon episode on this uh, all by yourself. episode all by myself. <laughs> No, well, John, John's going to John be on, will be on there. I'll yeah. do it. Yeah. I've said all along, I, I will still follow it. Welcome to Dan's Untitled Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Quick shout out, John, where you can find John's Untitled Podcast. Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube on John's Untitled Podcast. Tweet at me at John's Untitled Pod and email at John's Untitled Pod at gmail.com. He just did an interview with Adam Morgan from Hope's Fall. He had a co-host on there that was uh, pretty damn sexy. So I was on there. I didn't even realize that. Huh. <laughs> I guess you guys will have to just go listen to it to find out. Surprisingly, it, it like I mean, interestingly enough to me, that episode that I had Dan on with me to do has done just as good without any publicity as the episode that I had with Brandon from Bleeding Through that made headlines uh, did. So uh-huh. I think that speaks to the legacy of Hope's Ball. Absolutely. Yeah, I was on board as soon as I heard the line from Adam. I can hear Dan really good. <laughs> yeah, I think Joe creamed his pants right there. Badass <laughs> microphone. You know, drummer, drummer, lots of worship there. So, Dan, tell me about Gojira. Gojira is a French metal band that started in 1996 under the name Godzilla, as we had spoken of before. Uh, they Around 2001, they changed the name of the band to Gojira because why not? I think the name Gojira sounds better anyway because the band does lean more on the more artful side of things. And so an interpretation of Godzilla as Gojira, it just sounds a little bit more refined. And uh, I'm into that. I don't know about you guys. This is one of the most technical bands I've heard while still being extremely atmospheric. It's almost like if Mashuga had a more sensitive little brother. That's kind of a kind of the ballpark we're in when we're talking about Gojira. And we wonder why Gojira is one of my favorite bands. I can definitely say after listening to it this week, I found it interesting that when I, as soon as I thought I found a pattern in the music, I'd look at my phone and I would not be on track seven. And I would have sworn to you that I was at least on track four. None of the songs on the early records are extremely long. They're standard metal fare. Three minutes, five minutes, a couple two minutes here and there. Every time I expected them to do something to kind of 
form an idea or some idea or something in the realm of a chorus. They just didn't. They have a couple of choruses, but it doesn't def- definitely doesn't come until later in their career. It's not a defining characteristic of the band, at least not in the early going. Yeah, Terra Incognita is all over the fucking map. And I think they, you know, they're just kind of cutting their teeth. Well, this was the first Gojira album that I had not heard. Oh, okay. Going into this because I got into the band on uh, From Mars to Sirius. So I didn't know about the link. I didn't know about uh Oh, the link is the shit, man. Yeah, well, I mean, I heard it. I heard actually I had the link alive or or the link live which was them playing that album just live. So I had heard it, but I hadn't heard the original studio production. Um, and Gojira is such a fucking tight band. There's almost no real difference yeah, uh, between insane. the two at all. So, you know, no complaints there. But, man, this first record was just goofy because it doesn't really sound like the Gojira that we would more recognize today. Yeah, I think it's the most brutal thing that they've done as a collective, you know, album. It's and more it's, death metal for yeah, sure. Yeah, it, it and it's it's just insane. I mean, that's the best way to put it. It's 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 pure chaos. Because you as soon as it's like Joe said, as soon as you think you're going one way, all of a sudden, boop, they take a left turn, and you're like, "What the fuck just happened?" But it's not obnoxious like Mashuga is sometimes. It's a little obnoxious. I love Mashuga, but how many different ways can you count to seventeen? Well, Terra Incognita is pretty in the vein of Mashuga. I mean, they they tone it down as time goes on. But Terra Incognita is, it's fucking all over the place. If you're an old school death metal fan and you only could listen to one Gojira album, this is your jam. This is, this is brutal. Now it still has a lot of that Gojira time changes and weird shit and patterns that you're kind of having trouble following. And as soon as you get locked down on one pattern, you've moved on. They've moved on three times. You're still, you're just behind (laughs) at that point. And so this first record was crazy. I mean, it, it's really, really long. I think that was the only that was the only real issue I had with it is that it it's like an hour and seventeen minutes. Yeah, it I think. tended it definitely dragged. And granted, this record came out in what two thousand one. Yeah. So they had spent they'd, some time they'd building up band, these ideas. They've been a band 96. since ninety six. So we're looking at you know seven years, you know, almost seven years of of material. Right. And then and then once you figure that you you have brothers that are in the band together the uh, Plantier brothers you realize you know that's even more time to you know build up material and have just a smorgasbord of shit to choose from well what I didn't like is that the lead vocal on this record was so significantly changed uh, not changed I mean this was the original but uh, it was different than what I was used to with the band and the the guttural vocals didn't do it for me so much on this record I think I think they took something that they were trying to make sound unique but i think the vocals actually kind of dragged it down because that was the least unique aspect of this record was the vocal delivery it kind of was a a little more monotonous yeah i'm not going to disagree with that i mean a few clean vocals thrown in but not much as time went on joe definitely uh he went to finishing school i've said that before but I, i think i it's it's very apparent in their music that as time went on he'd learned to do what he was doing better and like you said you know it's just like it was almost like it was really forward yeah so you didn't have quite that that punch i don't know that more like that more guttural just fullness to the to to his vocals and uh it's just not quite there yet but it, it does get there eventually but if you want to just you know be blitzed out of your mind and then put on an album and wonder what the fuck's going on. This would be a really good choice for that. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I had to listen to it five or six times. I spent the majority of my listening time focused on this record because I was trying to get it, and then I kind of realized after I got through the fifth playthrough that I wasn't going to get it if there was something to get. No, there, there's nothing to get other than the fact that it's totally spastic. The atmosphere isn't here on this record like it is on the later releases. And that is noticeably missing because it this sounds more cold and more calculated, like more machine, more like Mashuga. Really, right. is, is is the biggest complaint with this album is it sounds like a very Mashuga derivative product. This is the album they've been writing for the past eight years of their life. It's just the heavy shit that they came up with, and they structured it into a single 
type thing. Right. This is Godzilla. This isn't Gojira. I like it, but I like it for I don't know what to put on in this group of 20 people that just showed up at my house. Uh, I guess I'll put on Terror Incognita. No, it's, it's no, not you bad. put on Terrorizer by Pig Destroyer. <laughs> <laughs> but I, it's good. I'm ready to talk about the link. How about you guys? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The link is really when the show gets started. Yeah, the, the link is one of my favorites. It might be because it's one of the first. Jeff, do, do I hear your um, Sepultura sense going off again? Possibly. And then uh, as we go further and further into this... There is a reason. There's a link. Yeah, there literally is a link. (laughs) And uh, that is because Joe played bass in the Cavalier Conspiracy. He did some stuff with Lamb of God, too, didn't he? Yeah, I think so. I'll have to double check that. But I do know that there was a... uh, He he initially... um, Max wanted the bassist uh, from from Gojira to be in Cavalier Conspiracy and he said no why don't I got something else going on but but Joe will do it and, and that's pretty fucking cool to me he's that, just the fucking singer we'll just throw him out there yeah. <laughs> yeah and that's when you realize that you know no this entire band is full of just incredibly gifted musicians but the link is when they it, it is the link it's they, they start putting it together this is a really 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 good album for a sophomore effort and uh, his vocals have have really improved on this album as compared to Terra Incognita in, in my opinion he's still not quite there yet but it's much better yeah it's not the uh, it's not the Meshuga wannabe vocals on this record and I really like the atmosphere on this I like I like how it started off more tribal this so- tribal this sounds more organic than uh, than Terry Cognita did, which sounded more, like I said, like more machine, cold, calculated. And it's not that there's not calculation going into this. They actually are really, really much more melodic on this record. Yes, they to are. To a point where that I don't think that they ever really returned to this until they got to their latest album, Magma. I mean... I disagree. I think uh, LaFont Sauvage has is, is got some of that on, actually quite a bit of it on Yeah. It. All right. But this record was definitely more a different side of the band. And uh, like I said, they did re-release this uh, record. Lo- they did a live version of it. <laughs> it's, that's not it a sounds, re-release. That's a sounds, live recording. <laughs> it, sounds just as good as, it sounds just as good as the studio. And uh, I think that that's just a testament to how tight this band actually is. I think the first listen, it sounded like the previous record taken to another level. But at the same time, it felt slowed down but slowed down on purpose. Like somebody looked at what they had and said, all right, now let's write a story instead of just writing words on a page. And I tried to rationalize this particular record as if Max Cavalera was hanging out with Opeth, what would it sound like? And I think the link by Gojira is what I came up with because it's very slow, drawn out, calculated heavy atmospheric it just all kind of goes together and i don't know a lot of bands that create this type of heavy i agree with the opeth part i don't agree so much with the max cavalera as i think his delivery would have been much more frantic than this but i think that gojira is in a very special category of bands i i I hold them in the same light as a band like Opeth or a band like Meshuga, in in the sense that they create original sound that isn't just blast from beginning to end. I mean, Meshuga comes close to that, but um, but what they're doing is still a little different. What Gojira did here is they took what they had established on Terra Incognita, slowed it down, added spades, more atmosphere much more of an organic sound and this sounds like real people playing instruments they made it very deliberate however they're still playing instruments better than you or i could play (laughs) just coming up with it i mean for as slow and organic as this sounds this isn't sloppy at all i mean their their intentional riff choices their intentional patterns are bar none the most enjoyable part of this record in this band yeah, this is kind of this is the start of my my Gojira. I guess that's probably the best way 
Hashtag my Gojira. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. But I, I like the... Um, I like that, like, like you said, how tight they are. I think that's really what starts to become really clear on this. It's not four people in a band. I mean, it's it's just a, a wall of music and sound. And, and that's kind of what I actually... In regular uh, rotations of albums especially, not just songs, but albums that make it in my rotation, that's kind of what I'm looking for, is just that cohesiveness from beginning to end. And uh, The Link is the first album of theirs that I think uh, accomplishes or, or gets close enough to accomplishing it to uh, make it into the regular rotation. Terra Incognita is just more of a, let's just, you know, throw a monkey wrench in it and holy shit, this is pretty fucking crazy. It's unusual when we really don't care much for the first record from a band. Yeah, and we like the second. Yeah, and normally that- the first record is, is, you know, what you compare everything to, but... I guess for me, what I compared everything to more was uh, From Mars to Sirius, which was the first Gojira album that I had bought. You ready for this? Yeah, and I remember when I got it, uh, it actually, I got it because of how unique the cover artwork was, which has whales floating in space. Oh, no. No. And there's No, it's Star Trek Four again. And uh, no, it's not that bad. No, it's it's the Sea Shepherd bad. (laughs) It's... uh, but what I, because I was in this metal shop that's not no no longer around. It's more of a, uh, I think it's like a sh- like a shitty like teen resale, trendy shop now. But oh boy, it used to be a metal shop. Like if you wanted to if you wanted to finish off your creator collection, you could go into this metal store. And I remember I was in the death metal section. And I'm not sure why this was in the death metal section, but I guess I just didn't know where to put it. Seriously, try figuring out what genre section to put Gojira in. Groove you know, metal, groove metal, maybe that'd probably be the closest but thing. Then, but then they'd be next to Pantera. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we can't have that. So, but I I picked this up because of how different it was, how different the lyrics were. Because I mean, I'm surrounded by like these Cannibal Corpse records, these Gore Guts records. You know, just all this mutilation and death everywhere. And I just was feeling a lot more positive that day. And so I was like, I'll get this fucking record with the floating whales on it, <laughs> and. uh it was definitely a lot heavier than I thought it was going to be, uh, just based on the cover. And one of the interesting things is, is me and my wife listened to this uh, for about two weeks after I got it. She didn't have a choice. I mean, she'd need to go to the mall for something, and I'd be like, that's fine. It's not just but, your wife, man. Well, Nobody has a choice when you have control we're of the gonna CD player. To, we're going to listen to this uh, to this Gojira band. And one of the things she pointed out that she liked was that how the, uh, the band makes whale sounds uh, with their guitars. Uh, which is really strange uh, in the first <laughs> song because, like, to fit with the whole whale theme. And, I, and at one point, he even says, you know, the song, he's like, whales in the sky, like, just to, you know, just to drive that point home that everything that Gojira does is intentional. It's all it's all tied to a central theme with this record being predominantly about preservation of the environment, which yeah. is a big thing for them. Yeah, it's a very big thing. And it's not a mistake that there's a whale on on the front. Because uh, they uh, contribute on it, and at least they used to be a big. I haven't checked lately, but they used to be a big part of the Sea Shepherd uh, Conservation Society. And a lot of people know who that what the Sea Shepherd is because they had a show on uh, Discovery Channel uh, as they were focusing on interrupting uh, whaling boats from Japan. So they're uh, very environmentally conscious. I know that at least Joe is a vegan, and it's a, it's been a very prominent thing for him. So, I mean, I think it's kind of cool that you, here you are, you have this metal band, instead of saying, you know, I'm going to rip your fucking guts out, you know, and fuck the hole, you, you know, they, they got, you know, more substantial things to say. I think that's part of the reason why I like them so much, too. Even if I don't agree with everything they have to say, you know, it's one of the few times that I start paying attention to your lyrics is because I, I think that there's there's a purpose behind a lot of the things that they have to say. And I think that's pretty fucking cool that whenever you can um, make your music enjoyable, but you're not overly preachy, uh, I think you're, you're doing a really good job because that's a really fine, difficult line to walk. And I think they do a really good job of that. You mentioned purpose. One of the first things I noticed on this record was even with the very first song, there were musical themes that made their way 
onto this record from the previous. And usually when that happens, a good example in my head at least is with Between the Buried and Me with Chevenel Part 2. It's very purposeful. There's an additional piece of message about something that they wrote before that they want you to either grasp onto and remember or they just didn't have any new ideas and they just went with something that they did previously. For me, I felt like it was purposeful and this record also is a very good use of not very much vocals. They allow the music to set the tone and actually build the idea. The vocals almost feel in addition to the music kind of like the French horn player in an orchestra. He's not always doing something, but when he is doing something, it's very purposeful as to what he's doing. Yeah, I mean, this record doesn't have a lot of vocals, and that's good. Not because the vocals are bad by any means, but, I mean, just letting the fucking pick scrapes do the talking, you know? And uh, this record is actually, I think, a little heavier than The Link was in the sense that it, it blasts a little bit more. It's got a little bit of that Terry Incognita in it. But it's it's more controlled this time. It's not just some out of it's just not some out of control monster like Godzilla would be. Uh, but uh, you know, it definitely it's got that slow plod that build up. It's got all the atmosphere from the Link and then some. Yeah, and this is when you start to realize how good of a drummer Mario is. I oh mean, yeah, dude. this band is tight. It's so fucking tight. It's it's disgusting. <laughs> it's so good. But yeah, I mean, Mars the Serious was definitely a big record for me. Uh, there's a song on here called World to Come, which is uh, predominantly clean vocals, which is a little different. And uh, it talks about, like, you know, the results of, of pollution and, you know, like what the world would turn into and all that stuff. And I really, uh, really dig that track, just the way it builds. It's kind of a slow burn, but... Uh, really enjoyable and kind of different than anything we'd gotten from them up to this point and uh that song really uh really catches me it even has a little bit of a southern twang at the beginning of it and that's different you know you're like what the fuck french metal band is playing a playing a southern twang on a song but the french uh, metal band that has a song on their record called flying whales right right uh so yeah i love this song i love the way it builds and just the way uh the way the clean vocals sound um, this is better clean vocals than they had, had ever at the, up to this point. Oh, definitely. And I think it's the best song with clean vocals until you get to, to Magma. It, because there's not a... Well, number one, there's not much clean vocals between now and Magma. But uh, it's good enough to tide you over. It's a really good... It's a really, really good song. Yeah, that's definitely my standout track. I like, uh, I like that one. I like the song Flying Whales. Because how could you not? There's actually whale songs on this CD, like whale, whale, uh, whale like recordings of whales, whale cries and, and things like that. And it's it's all very metaphysical and very uh, very hippie. Yeah. And for some reason, I love it because like there's this ball busting metal band behind it and um, truly heavy atmosphere. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. And that this is this would be if the band had stopped here. This would have been my end all be all record by the band but luckily for us they did not stop here yeah i have to say real quick my standout tracks were ocean planet and unicorn ocean planet fucking great song yeah it is so now we're on to uh, the way of all flesh from 2008 probably my favorite album title of all time this was their hey guys we're still heavy album yes and the first song is my favorite on the album Ouroboros is just unbelievable Listen yeah. to this all the time. Yeah, this song's great. It's a great album opener. It's very much establishes Gojira and their sound that they had established on the previous two albums is here. Yeah, the and only bummer for me is the fact that it the rest of the album doesn't live up to it, but Oh, I don't know. I think it does. I mean I think Toxic Garbage Island is fucking great coming in after that. Um there's a little bit of reverb, a little bit of uh I don't want to say vocoder, but it sounds a little bit vocoder-ish on Toxic Garbage especially. That is called layering. Yeah, it just sounds really good though. It sounds a little electronic which is kind of weird because I think the sound of the band is still very organic tying in with the Way of All Flesh theme in in that, you know, it, it is ten times more technical 
than for Mars is Serious was this is one of the first examples of can't drop a pin between the riffs that Gojira has given us, except for what they gave us on uh, Terra Incognita. Didn't think I'd be referencing that album as much as I am. <laughs> yeah, I know. It is kind of crazy. Is, hey. yeah, I'm, starting to, I'm starting to see it as we have this discussion that there is more to it than uh, than I had previously thought. Yeah, this is when you realize, you know, the previous album was how good we saw Mario. Now it's Christian, the lead guitarist, is just... The Duplantier brothers get all the fanfare, but my God, Christian is a fantastic lead guitarist. So, yeah, and they're not a noodle band. No, you know, no, that's it's with the purpose. That's one of the things I like about them is they're not necessarily masturbatory uh, in their delivery. It's just that it's like they sit down and focus on like, okay, we're gonna write a six-minute song, and we're gonna do everything we can to keep it interesting for that six minutes, which is really hard to do with this kind of like down-tuned. Genty or genty sound that they have. That was this is before that was a trope, you know. Um, but they they did it really well. You know, they definitely still wear the Mashuga influence on their sleeve, but it's an influence. It's not a lift, and it's uh, not a defining characteristic. Absolutely not. And like this record, vocally, lyrically, just is the entire package. It was to me the perfect follow-up to From Mars to Sirius. And uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the uh, <laughs> uh, Adoration for None featuring Randy Blythe from Lamb of God, which is by far one of the heaviest Gojira songs I've ever heard. It's kind of hard not to be with the Randy on. This is like some glass <laughs> casket shit going it's on right here. crazy. But, I mean, it goes to show you that, you know, like we're using the word intentional. That's the word of the episode. And... This song almost serves just the purpose of saying, look, you know, we whenever we play slowly and we play atmospherically, it's because we want to, not because we can't fucking pull off a badass metal song, you know, when we want to. And this song is, is a perfect example of that, of just saying, like, dude, this is how extreme Gojira actually is, but we're just being very intentional with our song choices with what we do end up playing. And so this song really turned the record around for me and... I was in love. I mean, I, I would play this song on repeat just, you know, all day <laughs> driving so the, around. This felt kind of like an intermission for me. Like, this was the space between track six and track eight. But it was purposeful in its placement. It's an overwhelming amount of heavy directly in the middle of the record. I think on a vinyl record, this is a great opener to side B, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it is. I mean, it... This is just a fantastic record through and through. Do you have this one on vinyl? I don't yet. Okay. Key word there is yet. yet. Eventually I'll get it. See, everybody reissues. Eventually they're going to reissue, you know, so I just have to wait my turn. Yeah, and then you'll get it on heavy gram whenever they do. Yeah, I know, probably. <laughs> Which apparently doesn't make shit, shit for difference, but we can have that argument on a different podcast but yes we can <laughs> but no this record was just absolutely killer and it is it is probably my favorite gojira record out of their whole catalog really just uh yeah man it it just it came out at a time when you know i appreciated the previous record from mars to serious because of how melodic and different it was whereas this record was a little bit more up my alley as far as brutality goes and as far as uh, just technicality. And I think this is this is one of their more technical records. And, uh, you know, that just can't be denied. I, I love this record so much. Cool. So we ready for the next one? I think we are. Alphonse Sauvage. Alphonse Sauvage. Very good pronunciation, sir. And 2012. Uh, this... Not only is this my favorite Gojira album, this is my favorite album of the last decade. It's not even close. The second favorite we've talked about, and that is Language by Contortionist, but the wild, it's, you know, Alphonse Sauvage is the wild child, and it's, uh, Victor of shit, I can't remember, but it, it's about a real kid that was in France in the 1700s growing up as a feral child. And this album is just pure metal perfection for me. I can't 
I can't put it any other way. It's brutal when it needs to be. It's beautiful when it needs to be. They're so tight. It might be a little overly commercially polished for some people. No. But I think this is absolutely perfect. When I try to explain to somebody what is the perfect metal album, this is what I want to put on for them. Dude, the tonality on this record, just some of the it's sick. some of the sounds that they make. Um, I don't even know what you're talking about about it being more commercially polished because I don't think I think I think commercially Mars the Serious or uh, Way of All Flesh is going to be much more commercially listenable okay. than this. This is a totally different beast as far as what they had done before because yeah, it's blasting. But it's not blasting like uh, Terry Incognito was. It, it is blast like the, the guitar tones that they achieve on this record are just mind blowing. And I'm not the kind of guy that listens for that shit, you know. But it's it's so front and center. Yeah, this is just this is as sick as it gets for me. I'm glad that you don't you don't think it's commercially polished because sometimes I get accused of liking stuff that's a little too pretty. Well, we'll talk about that on the Demon Hunter episode later. Oh, yes, we See, will. There's a there's a huge difference between commercially polished and studio polished. Commercially polished to me is insert name of bullshit rock band. Okay. That they listen to on 1057 the point. Okay. See, even Cold would be not that well polished because I've listened to Cold. We'll get into that on another episode. Well, I'm, I'm, I think you're, maybe you're explaining what I'm trying to explain better, Joe. And that is the fact that, you know, the production quality is just outstanding. I mean, it's sonically just a, it's a masterpiece in my opinion. I mean, whenever I go home and I crank this up, it's just, it's pure bliss for me. I can't, I can't give this album enough credit. There's... I, I listen to every track over and over and over again. This is just the most, it's the most amazing album that I've heard in, in a decade. It, it's that good. So It's got all of the check boxes. It tells a story. It's got atmosphere. It's heavy as fuck. And the people playing the instruments know what the hell they're doing. Yeah, I think the only two things. What a concept in 2012. Yeah, so. No quantized instruments. What? Yeah. The wild, the wild healer in uh, Mouth of Kala would probably be the only two that I would say, and even then I don't want to skip them. But if anything, I, you know, those are probably the two, my two least favorite on here. Everything else is just, I, I can't. The axe. You like the? You want to skip the axe, or no, you like the? Axe? I like the axe. Oh, I do too. It's probably number four for me on this album. Well, it's number three on the actual album. Right. <laughs> it's my fourth favorite. <laughs> The gift of guilt. Now, Jeff, you know the only person that can change the order of a story is Quentin Tarantino, right? Right. <laughs> but the gift of guilt is my favorite song on this album. It is my favorite metal song of probably the last decade as well. It's seriously my favorite album with my favorite song on it. It's the reason why I play this all the fucking time and annoy my household my entire household knows this album from start to finish whether they want to or not so what you're telling me is this is colors by between the buried and me i could skip a track maybe if i really wanted to but i don't want to exactly this was hard for me because i said that you know the way of all flesh was my favorite album and i don't think that this this is worse than an album but I think this is just where personal feelings come into play over um, technical proficiency. I can't sit here and tell you, I didn't like this record because, like, there literally is no answer to that question when you're talking about this record. Um, I just, I think this is what they were building up to the whole time. And I think that this, as far as in, you know, they only put one album out again after this one, but I think this was their peak. Oh, this is definitely their peak. As far as uh, as far as the Gojira sound goes, and it is probably when they were in their best place musically, maybe even in life, they probably were achieving more success than they ever had at this point because this was a highly anticipated release. Yeah, and it was uh, on a huge. It's on Warner Brothers. I mean, it's right. not like it's 
I mean, how often do you hear of a metal band on Warner Brothers? Well, like last week, you know, we were talking about how the Fifth Element, you know, didn't get wasn't that good, and that how in most cases bands get popular because of who they know more so than just being good. I do feel like a band like Gojira has paid their dues and gotten to a point where they are being recognized for just being as good as they are because this is a band that throughout their career so far has not resorted to any type of commercialized tricks. They have not really given in to the man because, dude, they can do clean vocals. They could do chorusy songs. They could play a, you know, techie-ish kind of bullshit song and, you know, like retain some sort of credibility with metal fans or whatever. But really, Gojira as a collective whole has never really strayed away from their vision of what they wanted their music to sound like. So they are a band that is very much praised for just being great. And like I said, you know, we don't, I at least I don't have anything negative to say. And I'm probably the most fucking critical. And it's really just, I can't believe how good this record sounds, like how the band is able to inject melodies that aren't obvious right away. You know, like sometimes you have to go back and listen a couple of times and be like, wow, this is actually a pretty melodic song because on the surface, it might just sound like a blast fest, a, a slower paced blast fest. But like when you start really paying attention to how everything's interweaving together, it really becomes so much more complex than you heard that first time you listened to it. That's the main reason I haven't re-listened to one specific record. I went through the discography and I said, I have zero complaints about all of this. So now I have to go back and re-listen to all of this. Yeah, but as far the what Dan was talking about about finding like the hidden melodies, I can understand you know, why he likes the acts so much because that's a perfect example. Is as it goes on, you're just like, wow, there's so many layers that you don't hear the the first go around, and it's the same way with the the gift of guilt and uh, Explosia and Elfant Sauvage and Liquid Fire. I mean, those songs right there, that's some of the best metal you'll ever hear in your life. I mean, I don't care what, you know, version of metal you like. I don't care if you're a grindcore guy or, you know, death metal. What? Just check out. Yeah, I know. I, <laughs> I say grindcore and Dan's ears perk up where their influences are and they're able to mesh it into one cohesive thing. It, it's it's just metal perfection. I, I can't explain it any any other way than that. But their next album, Magma, Magma, uh, is a really, really personal album, uh, especially for Mario and Joe. And it was a struggle uh, to get this album uh, off the ground. Uh, they lost uh, their mother uh, during or right before the recording of this, and I know that was a really uh, hard thing on them because their mom really was their support and pushed them to, uh, you know, get into the arts and, you know, explore their artistic nature. And you, uh, this album is unfortunately, you know, it's full of a lot of pain for them. And I, and I feel for them when you lose somebody that that's important to you, uh, you know, it, it kind of seeps its way into your music. You, you can't help it. And it really does. This is kind of a depressing album. And, uh, but it's still beautiful. It's still amazing. Magma is a fantastic listen. But I, I do have to say that my first time I listened to it, because I had listened to Alphonse Sauvage so much and was so excited about the perfection that they had on that, this was more of a personal flawed experience where they kind of bared their souls a little bit. And at first, I didn't appreciate that, but the more I listened to it, it really, really grew on me because it showed their vulnerable side, and uh, I really enjoyed it. But it's very vulnerable, and it's not perfect. It is not perfect like like their previous albums have been. That cold, hard technicality is essentially gone here. Yeah. And you, what you have is you have songs that are a little bit looser. Um, there's a little bit of a fuzz to, to the guitar tone that... Uh, that I found noticeable, like I, it sounds a little bit more Electric Wizard, a little bit less uh, Mashuka, and uh, and I'm totally okay with that because I don't think no matter how I, I think no matter how perfect of a follow up they did here, 
they could have released an album that sounded like their last three albums. And I think just simply the uh, depreciating return on it would have pretty much meant that if this record didn't go in a completely different direction musically, I think the band might have started getting accused of being kind of samey and just being one-trick ponies, which is kind of ridiculous when you're talking about a band like that, but I know how fickle music fans can be, myself included. And I know that if they had put out another Savage or they had put out another uh, Way of All Flesh, there would have been a little bit of a I've heard this before in there. And I don't know. I don't know what the what the limits what their limits are, if they even have limits. But what I can tell you is that this record was much appreciated because of how much more emotional it was, how much more human it was, and dealing with like stuff that I can identify with more personally than maybe something like climate change or you know uh, rescuing rescuing marine life. And I mean, all that stuff is cool. I, I support that, but at the same time. I'm a human being that has human feelings and that was something that this band really hadn't explored yet. And so to hear it in the majestic way that they did it here was really uh, refreshing. And I did appreciate a little bit more loose, like Jeff said, a little bit more vulnerable, a little bit more um, real than we'd had with them before because before they were just kind of this band with these, these, these out there abstract concepts, you know, musically and lyrically. And so to be able to identify with him as people increased my appreciation of the band from a fan perspective. Yeah, I mean... I can't top any of that. You both hit it on the head. That is what it is. Yeah, and this this track, uh, Silvera, actually was nominated for a Grammy. Uh, I don't think they won, but the fact that they... No, of course not. The fact that something that we view as legitimate metal actually got nominated and was recognized it's kind of a big fucking deal uh you know the interesting thing is this was i think it's by far their most commercially successful as well well sure jeff it's got more clean vocals on it and right. it's 2016 where this is more acceptable right i, I, I guess that's true yeah you know, i just you know it's interesting that they, they changed their style so much well, I could see how Mastodon fans and people like that would jump on board with a record like this. Or Fear Factory, even. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, it's more encompassing, I guess, of what's socially acceptable as far as what metal is. But it's it's still beautiful. Uh, I think this is uh, the second album in a row where uh, Mario's been voted the best metal drummer on the planet. Uh, well, there's this other guy. Who's that other guy? Ted Kirkpatrick? No. (laughs) (laughs) Don't even get me fucking started on him. Anyway. He's my second favorite drummer. How about that? (laughs) Well, meaning Mario. Yeah, Mario. Okay. Who's your first? Dirk. Dirk. Oh, that's right. Yeah. All all the Simon Soil work, man. That was my jam for a long time. Well, I think this record, definitely cool. I'm really wondering how they're going to, where they're going to go from here. Are we going to go more in this direction in the future? Or are we going to go back to, to hardcore technicality, emotionless? <laughs> I don't stuff? know. Well, the cool thing is, is they have a lot more control now than they ever have. Number one, they, they, they've always had the chops, but now they got the clout. Joe's built a studio. Joe Duplantier, that is not our Joe. Our Joe has already built a He's studio. He's already built a studio. studio. And we're in it. But he moved from France to New York. He's gotten married, has a kid, kind of putting down roots. And that's why they built the studio there. Uh, I know it, I think it was, a, if I remember correctly, it was quite the, the struggle to, to get it built. Uh, because even though they're rock stars, you know, <laughs> there's still this thing called Bill's. And uh, I know developing a studio uh, to make such a fantastic record as Magma, I, I don't think it was a uh, an, an expensive task. And not getting a Grammy is not the same thing as getting a Grammy money-wise. But I, I, like Dan, I'm very curious to see what's next. And I'm actually okay with, you know, either version, whether it's going to be you know the Alphonse Sauvage or the Magma I don't care they're both good 
they're both Gojira, and uh, I just think it shows that they have uh, they have a, a lot of lot to give. There's a lot of different uh, variations of which, which they can perform. They're very talented, and, and they can go all over the map. Which I think that's part of the reason why I like it too is that I can listen to one band and and hear different things, and they're good. I think Gojira is a band that has proven they are not afraid to be honest with their listeners. And I don't mean honest like cheesy honest. I'm going to write a song about this thing that happened to me when I was a kid. And I'm going to be honest with my friends and honest with my listeners. But they have shown emotion in their music when they didn't have to. They've had a message in their music when they didn't have to. They're almost a band that if they were painters, they could paint a Picasso if they wanted to. But what we're giving you is this bowl of fruit. It's very intentional. It has a purpose. And it's something that you should take the time and the multiple re-listens, which I have embarked on, by the way, Jeff, to figure out what that reason and that purpose is. Find that link. (laughs) Speaking of links... Jeff, what's your album of the week? Well, it's going to be a total cop-out, but I think it's kind of obvious of what I'm going to say, considering what I've already said. It's going to be Alphonse Sauvage by Gojira is my album of the week. Dan, what about you? Uh, Tear from the Red by Poison the Well. I've been getting ready for next week. The Triptych by Demon Hunter. Derman Hunter. Stay tuned for Demon Hunter next week. Long time coming, one of our most requested episodes, so we will have it for you guys next week. And on that note, this has been episode 67 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at Patreon.com forward slash DiscussMetal. We have some sweet perks. 